0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems.
1: 11.06 AM, Central Daylight Time, 17th of March, 2020. Episode, God, 2.17. Bitcoin, this is like the fifth day of, of isolation. Spam has gone bad. Ramen supply is low. The water has been gone for hours now. I'm, I'm having to drink vodka to sustain myself. and Twitter's freaking out. Everybody's printing money, and Jesus, it's like the end times of here. I've sent out multiple messages to get help, but people are too much concerned with their helicopter money that's coming. a $1,000. I don't know how much more we can stand of this, but one point or another, we'll just have to, I don't know, bury our dead. No,
0: no, 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 no! Retail investors are buying the Bitcoin. Institutions are selling. Traders say, this is CoinDesk. Uh, who is this? Who the hell? Oh, Lee Kun. Okay. Well, it, whatever. March 16th, uh, we got this one out of Lee. She's saying, as institutions unload Bitcoin along with stocks as part of the coronavirus driven global sell off, cryptocurrency's traditional base, retail investors. Uh, that's us, plebs, by the way, in case you're kind of wondering who the hell retail investors are. <clears throat> They're, we're doing most of the buying, market participants said. And while pricing screens, May still be flashing red. Business is brisk at many trading platforms. Quote, we've already done more volume in March than all cumulative volume previously, said River Financial CEO Alex Leishman, head of a Bitcoin-centric brokerage in San Francisco that launched three months ago. Quote, about 20% of all our clients have signed up this month. We're seeing a record interest from first-time Bitcoin buyers in that quote. River Financial is relatively small with just under ten thousand active user accounts, but this volume surge appears to be rippling across markets. Gemini's head of communications, Carolyn Vadino, confirmed the New York based crypto exchange saw a surge in activity over the weekend. Quote, during this time of market uncertainty, we continue to expect to see higher volumes than normal, Vadino said. Likewise, One over the counter trader in Latin America who provides liquidity to several of the world's leading crypto exchanges said his desk has seen two to three times the normal buy orders since the price dropped dramatically on Thursday. Quote, You still have a lot of people who are along that are trying to get out, said the traders, (coughs) excuse me, Corona, who did not want to be named. It's more related to hedge funds liquidating than anything else. There's a lot of Bitcoin collateralized dollar loans out there to miners or people who are long crypto. Another U.S.-based OTC trader confirmed that companies with heavily leveraged loans played into the wave of institutional investors selling off, yet retail traders are buying up Bitcoin so aggressively that it's throwing the whole market off, according to the anonymous trader in Latin America, weak hands. Quote, I hope this doesn't stay so long because it could be damaging. We all need some type of volume to survive, he said. In short, if more people are buying than selling, trading, or leveraging it, it will be tricky for liquidity providers like himself to profit from arbitrage. This would pressure exchanges to find new market makers or force market makers themselves to try different strategies. No one quite knows how how that would play out if it happens over several months. Quote, It's basically half the volume that was trading when Bitcoin was priced at 9000 Even if it's the same amount of Bitcoin changing hands exchanges like bitmex were briefly overloaded during a period of dramatic volatility last week experiencing an hour-long outage according to the analytics firm skew bitmex and okx alone facilitated nearly 10 billion dollars in bitcoin futures trading on thursday march the 12th however okx financial markets director lennox lie said it doesn't make any sense for or it doesn't make sense for any significant exchange to implement a circuit breaker which automatically halts trading on their platform if rapidly falling prices cripple the system. Quote, if one major exchange has a circuit breaker while the others keep on trading, the sell-off pressure would simply transfer to another exchange, Lai said, as such. Smaller brokerages like Leishman's are focused on preparing their back-end selling mechanisms for unprecedented traffic. Quote, you can't choose when volatility hits and the orders start coming in. Almost all of our orders have been buy orders. We need to make sure the prices we are promising users don't lose us money, but are fair, Leishman said. On the other hand, at least traders at OTC desk Cumberland don't appear to be concerned about long-term instability. Quote, in our role as liquidity provider, we continue to see both buying and selling from our counterparties. A Cumberland spokesperson said, quote, including those who have been sitting on the sidelines for a while, using this as an opportunity to re-engage with the market. So there you go. There's that one. Uh, So we're, you know, not dead. (laughs) That's right. We are not dead. Uh, It's kind of amazing to watch Bitcoin holding at, you know, right at five, a little bit over five grand during the rest of the bloodbath, because there is no other word for what happened. On Sunday, bloodbath. I was not with you yesterday because I was getting a shot in the ass. That's right. I was bent over a table getting a shot in the ass. Was it for corona? No, they didn't even test me. Of course, I wasn't presenting when I went went into the doctor's office. No fever, just this chesty cough that I always get during the springtime, which inevitably turns into bronchitis. So I'm like, you know what? I don't... Ain't no wait a minute. Hold on.
1: Ain't nobody got time for that. that
0: I know, sweet Georgia Brown, nobody has time for this stuff. You know, I don't have time to get sick. Even if it's not corona, I don't have time for it. But yeah, Kenalog. Oh. Steroid in the ass. Amazingly enough, my butt wasn't sore for hours. It either the nurse really knew what the hell she was doing, or I'm my ass is just numb from sitting in a chair looking at people losing their life savings and it's sad. I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's like, we've been talking about this forever. We've been saying this shit forever. Is it the end of the world? No. Here's what I expect to happen. Somehow or another, they've kicked the can down the road. I don't know how much more road they got, but they've done kicked the can down the road and all manner of chicanery is about to come out of the woodwork people. So, Be aware, buy Bitcoin. Let's see, what else do we have up in the stack? I got this one from Matthew DeSalvo out of uh, Decrypt.com, world's most censored journalist, now have a home on Minecraft. Material normally banned by the world's most repressive regimes can now be accessed in a huge virtual library built in Minecraft. This is. Uh, this was written on March the 14th. Government censorship is being bypassed in one of the world's most popular computer games, Minecraft. Banned material from top journalists is now available in the world's most censored countries thanks to a project by UK-based design studio BlockWorks and NGO reporters without borders okay NGO non governmental organization reporters without borders which works to protect the right and freedom uh, or the sorry which pr- which works to protect the right to freedom of information jeez get it un- get it out dude the uncensored library announced on Thursday by blockworks is a sprawling neoclassical library built in the block based world of minecraft where gamers can read news reports that have either been banned or made difficult to find in their countries of origins. Minecraft is a sandbox game, where gamers from all over the world can play together, often in worlds created by other users. The library itself, an imposing white building, is surrounded by beautiful gardens and built on an island. Inside are gloriously high dome ceilings and tall staircases that lead up to bookcases all built with Minecraft blocks. Well, obviously. The library contains a number of rooms where gamers can find reports by journalists who have had their work censored or have faced death threats. Right now, gamers from all over the world can read censored material from countries rated near the bottom of the Reporters Without Borders World Press Freedom Index, Egypt, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Vietnam. The journalists include Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi Arabian dissident who was assassinated in Turkey in 2018, as well as Yulia Brezoskaya, an exiled journalist who runs a banned website in in Russia. The library also houses works by Vietnam's exiled Wynne Van Dy, murdered Mexican reporter Javier Valdez, and Mada Masr who runs a banned news website in Egypt. BlockWorks' other projects include a recreation of England's Kenilworth Island, a Minecraft model of the UK town of Exeter, and three adventure maps of 1666 London commissioned by the Museum of London, which allow gamers to explore the city before and after a a fire that burned down the city. Technology has long been used to find loopholes to fight government censorship, including blockchain technology, which, despite having block in the name, has nothing to do with Minecraft. (laughs) Okay. Recently, Chinese dissidents fought censorship by conducting an interview with a coronavirus whistleblower on blockchain technology. Session, a blockchain-based messenger app that obscures its users' identities, launched a white paper last month for the latest twist in an already strange 2020 will the block-based worlds of Minecraft and blockchain join forces oh they already have and of course that's underlined which clearly is a link to another story which I'm not going to read what will what to say about this um well life has a tendency to find a way and the more pressure you put on a breeding population the more likely that population is to gain mutations that will allow it to circumvent the very pressure that is being put on the breeding population. This is a tenant, a pivotal tenant of biology. This is how everything that, that is alive, that has ever been alive, this is how it works. Nobody seems to understand this. Evolutionary biology should really be studied by everyone. Not, not. I don't want you to be forced to study it. It's fascinating. And by the way, gives us, teaches us how to maneuver around these trying times. And are the times trying? Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> these times are jacked up, bro. I come on, but the whole issue here is the fact that it's, you know, Minecraft being used to build a library that holds the things that have been banned by everybody else. Okay. Even though that there's nothing about, well, I was about to say, I'm going to say this anyway, even though that I I think I am clearly wrong. There's nothing about video games that are alive. I think that statement is wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't know how to rephrase it in a way that, you know, in any other way right now, I'll work on that later. (coughs) Corona. You've got a situation going on where our communications are acting like, like, like a, a breeding population that has an immense amount of pressure put on it of course it's going to mutate. We've already mutated out of fiat currency with the likes of, of Bitcoin, all right? That's all that is, is information being telegraphed. That's all that is. That's all money ever really was, was a way to transmit the notion of value and transmit it to somebody else. And information in general, news, opinion, everything, there's no way, there's no way the, the, the people of the world that we all work against, they're losing their grip because they continuously tighten that grip. The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers, and we're seeing it right in front of us. United States Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin Butts appoints Coinbase chief legal officer to oversee banking system as if the stupid wasn't stupid enough. Thank you, Marty Bent, for the whole Mnuchin Butts. Just saying, gotta give credit where credit is due. This is March 16th, written by Daily Hodel staff for, you guessed it, the Daily Hodel. United States Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin a longtime cryptocurrency and Bitcoin skeptic has named Brian Brooks, as one of the country's top banking regulators, Brooks Will serve as the next chief operating officer and first deputy comptroller of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency after stepping down from his role as the chief legal officer at Coinbase. That's what we need a lawyer in charge of fiat money, just to give it legitimacy, I guess. I don't know. The largest cryptocurrency exchange in the United States, the OCC, established in 1863 is the primary regulator of banks and federal savings associations in the United States, issuing rules and regulations that govern the banks it supervises and taking supervisory actions against banks that fail to comply or otherwise engage in risky practices. What, you mean all of them? (laughs) Brooke's appointment to oversee the country's banking system may signal a changing tide at the United States Treasury, given Mnuchin's Anti-crypto rhetoric and remarks made last year that he sees no need for the United States to launch a digital currency. Brooks is an outspoken proponent of making the United States a leader in digital currencies, specifically by launching a United States digital currency. He wrote in a piece published by Fortune in November of 2019: quote, The time has come for a tokenized version of the dollar. And it's not just those of us in the cryptocurrency world who think so. In recent months, senior U.S. officials have been exploring the idea of minting greenbacks on the distributed ledger software known as blockchain. The idea appears inevitable, in quote. And oh my God, the cringe of watching this person just get it wrong. <sighs> Mnuchin is tapping Brooks to ensure the stability of our financial system and its ability to foster greater economic growth for the benefit of all Americans. Oh, the suits speak. I love it. And describes the Harvard grad who holds a law degree from the University of Chicago, who would have guessed, as a strong leader with extensive experience in the financial services sector. Jesus, whenever the government wants to jack up your monetary system, they always get a guy from Chicago. Why? Because, man, them dudes know how to operate. I mean it's not that they're idiots, they're not. The guys out of Chicago are very very sharp. However, they're in my opinion a lot of them that we've been we've been getting over the years seem to be very very able to be compromised. I'm just saying Brooks will assume his new role effective April the 1st. Ah, April Fools, 2020. After having served as Coinbase's chief legal officer since September of 2018, Brooks is also a former, oh, Fannie Mae, Executive Vice President, General Counsel, and Corporate Secretary. Joseph Otting will step down as the current comptroller of the currency. If anything in there reads to you like good news, it's not, it's really not. I, what I see is bumbling. I, I see people that are like, they've had, they've put so many balls into their juggling thing that now they're, the balls are starting to bounce all over the floor and they're doing everything that they can to keep as many balls in the air as humanly possible while on a unicycle that has one of the pedals broken on it. That's what it looks like to me. i Just saying, but dude, having anybody from Coinbase have anything to do with the currency of the United States? (laughs) Yeah, that, that just devalued the United States dollar in my mind, like a son of a bitch. So there's that ultimate test for Fiat as US bank runs loom. Now guys, don't freak out. I'm telling you, man. I'm not saying don't go get all your money, and I'm also not telling you to run out and go get all your I'm just saying everybody chill. Christina Combin, writing March the 17th for Bitcoinist.com, says it started as being just one person coming in from China. We have it under control, the president said. It's going to be just fine. Two months later, the United States and Europe are national states of emergency, and banks are locked down. New York are starting to run out of cash. As bank runs loom ahead, this could be the ultimate test for your shitty fiat. Perhaps one of the most disturbing effects of the coronavirus pandemic is that human beings have proven to be little more than pack animals rushing out to buy toilet paper in bulk. Panic buying amid an uncertain climate is not unexpected. However, stockpiling rolls of toilet tissue rather than food is demonstrably a case of following the herd. Now, the latest thing that terrified New Yorkers are stockpiling is something of a similar nature, fiat cash. As the stock market suffered its worst day in three decades last week, a Midtown Bank, and bank of America branch in Manhattan saw lines of people at its ATMs, desperate and scared, Bank of America customers were draining cash from their accounts, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars at a time. I don't know how you're getting tens of thousands of dollars out of an ATM, y'all, but dude, take me to that ATM. I like to wrap a chain around it and drag it off with a pickup truck. The demand was so great that the branch could not cope and temporarily ran out of $100 bills. This rendered it unable to fulfill large operations. In short, people can't get their money. Sound familiar? Banks across the country have been scaling back operations and closing branches. This has been explained as a measure to help stem the spread of the virus. After all, with social distancing in place in many states, the last thing you want is to be caught in a confined space surrounded by people. Yeah, when they're panicking, especially. However, it's starting to look as if banks are beginning to take more drastic measures. Although unconfirmed by an official source, Managing Director at Mantis VC and Forbes contributor Tatiana Kaufman took to Twitter last night to say that Bank of America cash withdrawals have been reduced to $3,000. She stated ominously, quote, expect that number to drop over the next few days. End quote. Bank runs haven't happened in the States for a very long time. Despite the last global financial crisis out of which Bitcoin was born, the last major wave of bank runs was during the Great Depression in 1932. Of course, that's not the case in many other parts of the world where bank runs have become somewhat cyclical events and capital controls are par for the course. Less than six months ago, we saw Hong Kong banks running out of cash completely and Turkey mass-freezing accounts. This latest frenzy of New Yorkers to withdraw their savings and stuff them in their mattresses is alarming on many levels. When bank runs begin, global financial institutions begin to collapse one after the other, government bailouts start, and suddenly we're thrust back into a state of déjà vu. The great money printing machine begins. And as one Bitcoin enthusiast pointed out, of the trillions of dollars printed, regular folks will not see a single cent. Mm-hmm. As more of, as more and more people realize that the money in their banks is not under their control, and we're teetering on the brink of recession, <laughs> bank runs in the United States could be the ultimate test for fiat. Dude, buy Bitcoin. If I'm just saying, I you know this is what it's built for. It was built out of 2008, and here we are. Here we are again. <coughs> Corona. We're we're right back. Only this time, I think is probably worse. I I was watching, rewatching a scene from The Big Short, and if you have not seen that movie, you really should watch that movie. A, it's a good movie. I mean, as far as movie goes, the the acting is really is very well done. It's a very well executed edit. It's a very well executed movie in general. Also teaches you kind of what the hell happened in 2008. And there's this scene where our hero, or rather one of our heroes, um, oh God, the guy from The Office, Steve, what's his face? He's uh, talking to somebody at Goldman Sachs or something like that. And he's trying to get a handle on how much Goldman Sachs is actually leveraged over when everything started to go to shit. And he's like, "Are are you guys... Like, you know, three, is it $3 billion? Tell me it's not over $3 billion. And then the woman on the other side of this conversation just looks like she's out of gas. And then Steve just looks at her and says, is it four? Is it four? And then this little argument ensues where he's trying to get her to just pony up with the goods, bro. She finally just looks at him and says, we're, we're in for over $15 billion. That was five X what he, what his worst, he walked in with worst case scenario of over 3 billion. He walked away with five X, his worst suspicion, worst suspicion, man. Again, if you have not watched the big short or not read, if you don't want to watch the movie, then read the book. It's called the big short. It's the movie was made from the book. Whichever one you, whichever pill you decide to swallow, read it twice, watch it twice, maybe three times. I've seen it twice, and the only reason I haven't seen it three times is because I cannot find that son of a bitch streaming anywhere. Anywhere, at least not for free. I guess I could probably go rent it from Amazon. But the fact that it is not has not been streaming for free, along with the movie Idiocracy, might tell you something. Just saying, little tinfoil hattery going on to end... This early segment of Morning Roundup, it's the snooze you
1: can use. All
0: right, let's go ahead and try a little bit of of vital statistics just, you know, for shits and giggles. Apparently, it's not. The bloodbath is is abating a little bit. We've got the S&P up... four and a quarter percent. NASDAQ is four and a half percent up. Uh, Dow Jones is up three percent. FTSE is up two and a quarter percent. Uh, So that uh, Dow gain represents 615 points to the upside. Earlier this morning, Dow Futures looked like they were going to tank about 350 points. Apparently, uh, bailing out the airlines is all that needs to be done to uh, set the market straight, right? Yeah, right. Uh, bonds all seem to have increased. The 10 year is up uh 0.16, 30 years up 0.14, 5 years up 0.09, uh, two years up 0.0 what nine? Yeah, it's actually it looks when you think about it, it's actually just kind of flat. Uh, oil is down, let's see, what a pit pe- or yeah, a penny. Its last is 28 uh 28 dollars 71 So, I don't know, man. If this is a dead cat bounce, this is like the most non-bounciest cat that I've ever seen. Oh, well, except for the actual major indices. They look like they're bouncing pretty good. Don't get suckered into a uh, bull trap, y'all. Bitcoin is at 5,220. Wow, only 276,000 transactions have been made in the last 24 hours. That's below 12,000 transactions on average per hour but 1.5 million BTC were sent during that period. Huh, average, uh, the average sent per hour was 65,000 BTC with the average transaction value being 5.66 BTC and the median transaction value is 0.079 BTC or $411. Block time is extraordinarily high right now. Can you wonder why? 12 minutes and six seconds. BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. Get this, 63 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. That's like an all-time high since I've been doing this podcast. We've had a 7.5% drop in the hash rate. That brings us to 93.3 exahashes per second, and yet, the last time nobody did dick on Bitcoin because we're all going to go through a mining death spiral and the whole thing is collapsing and everything is yeah it was sometime today. It, I, it won't. They're never going to stop building Bitcoin. I don't. I don't know how else to say it. Ethereum is at one hundred fourteen. B is at one eighty one. Litecoin is at thirty four and a half. BSV is at one sixteen. Ethereum Classic is eating shit at four dollars and fifty cents. And my doge is like languishing, man. 0.0016. However, with 29,300 transactions in the last 24 hours, it's walking all over Litecoin. But apparently Bcash, uh, they, I guess they decided to activate the bots. Maybe that's what went wrong is their, their bot farm went down their transactions are back at like 65,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. So anyway, there's there's your major shit. Now, my uh, Node BTC, uh, let's see what what its hash rate says is 97 exahashes per second. A fair a moderately full um, oh god, what am I trying to say? Mempool. Thank you. Uh, 35 megabytes representing 20,800 unconfirmed transactions. Earlier this morning, I saw a few half-full blocks. Not anymore. Everything is 99.8% full. Yep, that's for the last 10 blocks straight up. Uh, Lightning Network. uh, These stats are going to be given to you by Clark Moody, bitcoin.clarkmoody.com total capacity is god 905 btc uh representing 4.8 million dollars usd total number of nodes is 6554 total number of channels has dropped a little bit 35985 the tor capacity is 363 btc representing ooh a tenth of a percent increase 40.2% percentage uh in tor capacity nice Tor nodes is 1905. Is there anything else? Nope, that's going to do it for vitals. Morning roundup number two. First up uh, is going to be from Lee Kuen again. This is Coindesk.com. This was written today Gemini's Nifty. Gateway bets on celebs to drive interest in crypto collectibles. The Bitcoin billionaire twins Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss of the Gemini Crypto Exchange now also have a regulated fiat marketplace for non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Gemini first acquired Nifty Gateway in late 2019 with Tyler Winklevoss saying in a statement, we believe that both real world and digital collectibles will migrate onto blockchains in the form of Nifty's. <sighs> Nifty Gateway founders, the twin brothers Duncan and Griffin Cock Foster, <laughs> launched the Nifty Marketplace on Tuesday, leveraging Gemini infrastructure on the back end for a dollar exchange platform. People can buy NFTs with credit cards and cash out directly to their bank accounts when they sell. Oh, God. To start the collectibles exchange is working with mixed martial arts fighter Chris Cyborg and photographer Lyle Owerko whose patrons include Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, and Jay-Z. Quote, I've known Tyler and Cameron for a few years now. We met socially in New York through friends, Owerko said. It's fun to be an early adopter. It's like being a painter in the 1880s and seeing a camera for the first time. He'll offer a series of six images through Nifty's Marketplace for $200 and $2,500 each, depending on the image. Some images will have 25 copies available, while others only have one NFT. Quote, I did this of my own volition, Owerko added, when asked if if the company paid him for lending his art to the format, he said the deal was, quote, mutually beneficial. Since the platform expects to make revenue from transaction fees, Nifty Gateway would need to attract enough volume to support the five-man team within Gemini. It remains to be seen if there's enough consumer demand for such digital collectibles. The Nifty Gateway team estimated NFTs were a $200 million market in 2018, wrongly predicting the collectibles game CryptoKitties would remain a project to watch in 2019. CryptoKitties now attracts fewer than 200 weekly users, according to DappRadar, down from the 2017 peak of 15,000 daily active users. The NFT market is still seeing dismal growth in traditional tech terms. Nonfungible.com estimates the gaming startup Decentraland is one of the top three NFT market leaders yet facilitated roughly 50 transactions in the past week. <coughs> Man, that's pretty bad. By comparison, the Nifty's team ex- initial experiment with 10,000 CryptoPunk NFTs garnered roughly 3,500 transactions in two years meaning fewer than half of them sold and few of them traded. On the other hand, OpenSea CEO Devin Finzer said his NFT marketplace now sees roughly $1.5 million in monthly trading volume with a little under 10,000 active user accounts. With the Ethereum network buckling under congestion from coronavirus-induced volatility, Finzer said this may increase transaction fees the platform pays for each swap. Quote, if the Ethereum network remains super clogged, developers may just not build NFTs anymore. Then more NFT projects may move to other main chains. Indeed, CryptoKitties creator Dapper Labs is making progress on its forthcoming Flow blockchain, debuting a test environment for de- developers earlier this month. Given the instability among Ethereum's fan base, the Cock Foster twins are looking to tap into celebrity fandoms, hoping to launch NFTs with more athletes and artists with devoted followings. Quote, in the art world, you don't really see Picasso's trading cap or trading volume. Duncan cock foster said, we're also working on nifty display devices. People have to be able to hang their NFT up on the wall. Jesus God. All right. Honestly, the only place I believe NFTs have right now, that doesn't mean forever right now, is in gaming. That's the only thing that actually makes any kind of sense to me whatsoever. Skins, uh, like one-off, uh, I don't know, shotguns or, or you know, something like that. I really think that that's where NFTs are going to shine. However, the the fact that NFTs seek, like, shit chains automatically is, I don't know, is uh, kind of rough. However... There's no reason in the world that something like this couldn't be built on Bitcoin, of course, just like Lightning. Hell, maybe even use Lightning or build something exactly like Lightning that does this type of thing on top of Bitcoin without actually having to clog up the main chain. This is why we Bitcoin, just saying. Russian lawmakers introduced revamped bill restricting Bitcoin and crypto. This was March the 16th by the Daily Hodel staff for Daily Hodel. In an interview with Interfax, Alexey Guznov, director of the Central Bank's legal department, says the Bank of Russia is moving to impose restrictions on Bitcoin and other crypto assets due to inherent risks. No, it's because you're scared. According to Guznov, the Central Bank of Russia has finally a uh, finalized a draft of the country's bill on digital financial assets impacting Bitcoin and cryptocurrency quote, we are against institutions for organizing the production of cryptocurrency in Russia. Terrible sentence. We are opposed to the fact that there are institutions that organize the release of cryptocurrency and facilitate its circulation. But if a person who owns conditionally Bitcoin completes his transaction in a jurisdiction that does not prohibit this, we are unlikely to be able to limit it to this. Yeah, I know that you're you're starting to actually get it. Guznov cites a scenario in which a married couple jointly owning Bitcoin decides to divorce. He says problems can arise in terms of enforcing how the digital asset would be split and how the courts could enforce such a ruling since Bitcoin is designed to be censorship resistant and grants people or the person with the private keys full control of the asset. Quote, The problem of cryptocurrency and generally crypto assets, and this is not only our problem, is that it is not very clear how to ensure the enforcement of judicial decisions, because it's not. For example, a spouse buys crypto assets for the entire amount of income and stores them in a crypto wallet. A dispute arises regarding this property within the framework of, say, a divorce proceeding, and the court says, yes, all proceeds must be divided. The court is even ready to issue a writ of execution. And then I look at the bailiff who, on the basis of this writ of execution, will try to do something, but where to go, to whom with what obligate a person who has the keys to access a crypto wallet, to provide an access key. Theoretically it's possible, but you can say, Oh, forgot. Oh, lost. And I will add here myself. Oh, horrible phishing accident, whatever. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of crypto assets are already in wallets that have lost access keys. And this in itself creates problems. We could not ignore this, and therefore, the project involves obliging the operator of the information system where the release of digital financial assets will be carried out and, if necessary, providing access to them. Technologically, as colleagues say, this is possible, although maybe this is somewhat inconsistent with the ideology of notorious Bitcoin. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> the notorious bitcoin that's good i like that which is based on anonymity and on the fact that no one except the owner can access the corresponding conditional property in the form of bitcoin which are in a wallet the bill introduced uh, first introduced 2 years ago clarifies support for digital assets such as securities as opposed to digital currencies it defines the basic infrastructure for issuing and circulating digital financial assets organizing information system operators and exchange operators and regulating these institutions and their managers. Guznov also said that there is the possibility of issuing digital financial assets secured by property and using stable coins to move value and money between parties. Now that's it for the article, but remember what I was saying about a breeding population that is under environmental pressure will gain mutations that will alleviate those environmental pressures. Keep that shit in mind. Seriously. Coronavirus ETH sell offs lead to record highs for finance dApps. DAP Radar reported that MakerDAO and other finance dApps caused a surge in gas prices on March the 12th. This is Jeff Benson writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. DeFi dApp usage went way up at the end of last week, with some logging record numbers. At the same time, gaming dApps went way down, and those two phenomena were connected. According to report released Friday on March the 12th, the price of ETH dropped by nearly half to below $100. It currently sits at around $115 at time of writing. After COVID-19 wreaked pandemonium across most markets, Dapp Radar reported that the price drop da- uh, the price drop has created wild swings in decentralized application usage. Here's what Dapp Radar reported. The coronavirus sell-off of 2020 has drastically lowered the price of ETH, which has affected owners of MakerDAO's DAI stablecoin. DAI is meant to be something of a hedge against ETH volatility. However, extreme volatility can shake even DAI. To get DAI, users lock up ETH as collateral and get a smaller amount of DAI in return. If the value of ETH falls below the value of the DAI they received, Users must recapitalize to keep their die. A 44% drop in ETH prices, as happened on March the 12th, was enough to send many back to MakerDAO to secure their investment. Sounds like a lot of freaking work to me, but MakerDAO wasn't alone in seeing big spikes. According to DappRadar, its 1,500 unique wallets was a 243% increase over the 30-day average Kyber network, up 70%. DYDX up 133% and 1inch up 77% also logged record usage. Uniswap with 1,693 unique wallets had its second biggest day ever, but Uniswap exchange protocol and venture Hayden Adams told Decrypt, that feels like an understatement. He pointed out that during one 24-hour period, Uniswap did $53 million in volume, which was five times higher than it had ever done before. He believes it might be the most volume for a decentralized exchange in Ethereum's history. All that financial DAP activity drove up gas prices, said DAP Radar. On March the 12th, ETH Gas Station, a site for tracking gas rates, tweeted, be advised that gas prices are extremely high right now. Indeed. It posted recommended gas prices at 97 gui, <coughs> then about $0.29 cents U.S., compared to the current rate of around 2 gui less than $0.01 cent U.S. Perhaps, unsurprisingly, those gas prices correlated to lower use of non financed dApps, with gaming apps in particular hard-hit. In Ethereum-based games, players must make in-game moves via smart contracts. Those moves call can, or sorry, those moves can add up. My Crypto Heroes and OX Universe saw their activity drop 44 and 87 percent, respectively. User statistics have since gone back up as gas and ETH prices have stabilized, well, mostly stabilized. ETH value in dollar terms has dropped nearly 10 percent in the last 24 hours, indicating the ripple effects of COVID-19 on the Ethereum ecosystem aren't over. <clears throat> Like I said, this just sounds like Ethereum sounds like it's a lot of work. Slow, rock solid, stupid as shit. That's why Bitcoin. Because it's rock solid. It's slow. It doesn't try to be the things that it isn't. It tries to be the one thing. Money. That's it. It doesn't try to do all this other fancy shit. If you want to do fancy shit, you can do it on top of Bitcoin. Stop trying to say that Bitcoin can't do all these things and then go build your own shit chain because all you're really doing at that point is trying to get other people's money to flow into your wallet. Bitcoin platform backed. Speaking of other people's wallets gets $300 million boost from Microsoft Pantera to launch consumer app, targeting trillion dollar industry daily hotel staff writing for daily hotel sometime yesterday. Despite the market downturn that has watched Bitcoin slide 50% from its 2020 high of over 10,000, Bact has just announced a Series B funding round. The Bitcoin futures platform has raised $300 million from several participants, including its parent company, Intercontinental Exchange, Microsoft's M12, PayU, Boston Consulting Group, Goldfinch Partners, CMT Digital, and Pantera Capital. In 2019, Bact rolled out an end-to-end regulated market for Bitcoin along with an institutional custody offering after the launch of its physically backed Bitcoin futures. Bact is now focusing on consumer products and services to push digital assets into the mainstream. Users will be able to convert a wide variety of digital assets into cash to make rewards points, in-game assets merchant stored value and cryptocurrencies more accessible and easy to spend according to backed these assets represent 1 trillion dollars in consumer spending power and its new app will allow users to combine their rewards miles loyalty points bitcoin and crypto into a single wallet oh my god quote in just a few taps you can use those assets to shop at your favorite merchants send them to family and friends or convert them to cash We believe that you hold more value than you realize, and we're here to help you track, spend, and send your digital assets however you want. End quote. Back chief executive officer Mike Ballandia, or wait Ballandina, sorry, says Back to now powers loyalty redemptive programs. For seven of the top 10 financial institutions and over 4,500 loyalty and incentive programs, including two of the largest United States airlines, <laughs> airlines, the company adds that it is well positioned to leverage the technology and infrastructure along with the right partners to deliver innovative new products and expand access to the global economy. The backed app is scheduled to launch this summer. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yay. Um, I don't know. It's good for Bitcoin, probably, but it just makes me wonder. Everybody seems to be looking at everything else for value instead of fiat. That should tell you something. I mean, when we're looking at airline miles and loyalty points and reward programs as money, then the signal I'm getting is that everybody seems to be losing faith in the fiat banking system. And if everybody's losing faith in that system, like all at once, I, I don't see how we are in anywhere but a sea change in the history of humanity. I, I really do. I think, I think I'm alive during the sea change of the history of humanity. Not only a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? This is a once in the history of histories opportunity. I don't think history has an example that is this wide. I don't know this overreaching is just, or or this start not overreaching, this far-reaching. I don't think it's happened. I really don't. I mean, there could have been like you know somebody could say, well, you know, uh, Alexander the Great. Just take any example. Alexander the Great is is one. How many people at the time Alexander the Great was doing his stuff knew that Alexander the Great, not only who the hell he was, but where he was, what he was doing? The, the majority of the world's populations may still not know. I mean, third world countries have an educational problem. But, even, but back then, when, when Alexander the Great was alive, how many people knew what Alexander the Great was actually doing? Now? somebody sneezes on somebody in a subway and the whole world freaks out and everything. And now they, they freak out because social media just circulates the whole damn thing. I don't think we've ever, that the history of histories has ever seen anything like this. So buckle up people. It's gonna, it's been weird. It's gonna stay weird it's probably gonna get even weirder. Uh, And this one is kind of, is a little interesting. And I want you, while we're reading this, I want you to remember, if you can, Netscape, okay? For those of you who don't know, Netscape was a browser in the very early days of the internet. And (coughs) it was one of, actually, it was sort of like the the first actual standalone browser that there ever was. Making, the ac- making access to the internet very, very simple. It was the Netscape moment for the internet. People say it was, oh, it's the AOL moment. Mm, no, nah, it was kind of really Netscape in my opinion, because that's what gave people real access to everything that was outside the walled garden that was AOL at the time. Netscape was the first vehicle that you could have that would motorboat around any of the seven seas of the internet instead of just this one little you know, pawned that AOL was at the time. Now, when Microsoft, when they released their own browser, they immediately bundled it into the next release of Microsoft's operating system. You couldn't get the operating system without the browser. It was impossible. Netscape filed antitrust against this and they were crushed by Bill Gates's uh, legal department. I've said this before. A lot of people, I guess a lot of people don't remember this and it, well, y'all don't, we don't really remember it because it wasn't, it wasn't publicized. It certainly wasn't reported on by the news, but while Microsoft was, was garnering this massive market share, while they were stockpiling money, hand over fist, Bill Gates was not stupid. Not only was he building out his development team, he was actually probably more interested in building out his in-house legal departments. And he built those sons of bitches out to the point that they had long, sharp, shiny ass teeth and they destroyed Netscape. Netscape went up against Microsoft and Netscape got crushed. So why am I even talking about this? Because Robert Stevens writing yesterday, March the 16th for Decrypt.co starts his uh, little thing out with, Brave files GDPR complaint to end Google's data free for all. Brave claims that Google violates the GDPR, the most powerful data protection law in all of Europe. Crypto-friendly browser, Brave, today filed a formal, formal complaint against its competitor, Google, the latest in a several years long campaign to topple the tech giant's hegemony. Brave, which has offices in San Francisco and London, claims that Google has infringed upon Europe's foremost data protection law, the GDPR. According to Brave chief policy officer, Dr. Johnny Ryan, enforcement of the complaint would be tantamount to a functional separation of Google's business. This is good for Brave. (coughs) Where Google's advertising technology collects uh, excessive information uh, about its users, Brave browser does not track cookies by default. Brave claims its technology serves ads without breaching personal information. In addition, Brave's users can earn crypto for watching advertisements in the form of their shitcoin, the basic attention token, or a batshit crazy token. Brave argues that Google has violated the purpose limitation principle, which requires organizations to only use data for specific purposes. For example, collecting information about your whereabouts on Google Fit must only be used to encourage you to exercise more. Google, according to evidence released by Brave Today, has an internal data free-for-all where it reuses our personal data between its businesses and products in bewildering ways that infringe the purpose limitation principle. The official complaint is Brave's most recent against Google. On February the 12th, it sent a letter to the UK Competition and Make Markets Authority arguing that its failure to enforce the GDPR facilitated Google's monopoly. A week prior, it produced evidence that showed how websites of over 400 UK councils lit at least one private company to track visitors and mine their browsing activity for profit. In September 2019, it pushed a report that alleged that Google is using hidden web pages that send personal information to advertisers, violating its own privacy policies. Brave has been waging war against Google ever since it first launched in 2015. If authorities force Google to change attack, competitors such as Brave could be poised to benefit from the fallout. So Brave, okay, look, I like the browser. I'm I'm reading I'm, the stuff that I'm reading to you right now is on a Brave browser. I don't use BAT and I'm never going to because I think it's stupid, but the browser itself is built on Chromium, which as far as I know is owned by Google and it's, but it's good. It, I, it blocks, it's like the best ad blocking software I've ever seen. I, I, I use nothing else and it works like a charm every single time. And I, I really do. I like this browser. I like brave. I don't like bat, but whatever. I like brave and I use it and I don't mind it, but The guys at Brave are going to go up against Google. And if you thought Netscape going up against Microsoft in the early to mid-90s was like David and Goliath, holy shit, man, that ain't nothing. So the guys over at Brave should probably want to step carefully because Google is a monster that I, I personally think it's probably so much bigger than, than Microsoft as to scare the living piss out of pretty much everybody. But whatever, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. <laughs> Daily Trainwrecked brought to you by Pablo F7Z. Uh, he brought this to my attention it's not his train wreck he's just bringing me a train wreck this is from POYO2X that's P O L L O 2 X he says i'm 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 thinking about finally capitulating after almost 3 years in crypto i'm down 87% these are the coins in my portfolio ripple bsv blackcoin hex bitcoin god that's Bitcoin God spelled with two eyes. Quadriga CX coin. <laughs> BNB. Dragon. Tron.
1: My wife still doesn't believe in me!
0: Just because you bought into all these shit coins. I mean. If I was your wife, I'd divorce your ass because this is just stupid. I mean, Ripple, Craig coin, Black coin, Richard coin, God coin, exchange coin, another exchange coin, Dragon and freaking Tron. And you wonder why you're down 87% and why you've got to capitulate and blow and, and just blow town. I can't spell it enough just by bitcoin and you don't have these issues the only issue that you have is finding patience and the need to or the need and the ability to learn because this space is changing so much just with bitcoin alone the amount of technologies that are being proposed uh, included worked upon in Bitcoin is enough to keep you busy for decades, decades, not, not, I am not lying. If you wanted to literally start from zero and learn everything that you wanted to learn about, oh, let's say, uh, just at Merkle trees, just, just Merkle trees, you're in for a decade long run because you got to learn all the shit behind it. You know, I mean, seriously, patience And the ability to learn is all Bitcoin requires of you. (laughs) Seriously, man. The stronger the hands, you know, just whatever. Look, guys, being down 87% and not having a single Satoshi in your portfolio is your fault. It is not Bitcoin's fault. So stop bitching and moaning. Just buy Bitcoin. There's your smoldering pile right there in the corner. All right. Terrible joke corner. This one, I'm going to do two for you. The uh, the, set, the first one came in after I had already selected a nominal dad joke, which will be last. But this one is good. Ah... Uh, and it's from Blockfolio. Uh, it's just it's kind of kind of fun watching them just throw out an esoteric dad joke. What do I mean by esoteric? Esoteric means that you got to know the lingo for before you can actually get the joke. All right? So that's what esoteric actually kind of means. And it's not just about jokes. Esoteric simply means, in my opinion, if you're talking to somebody that's like a buddy of yours and you're speaking in like jargon, Somebody standing on the outside of that conversation will never know what you mean because it's esoteric. So there's your word for the day if you want to do it that way. But Blockfolio says, Me, watching Andreas Antonopoulos videos on loop while self quarantine with the television volume set to max. Spouse, why do you have this Bitcoin thing on so loud? Me, because it's immutable. Spouse, me. Spouse me. Oh, okay. I'll turn it down. It's immutable. You get, got, get it. Yes. It's so bad. It's so bad. I love it because it's from Blockfolio and it was really weird too, because I see this thing come up. It just popped up in my feed. I just happened to be looking at my feed. This thing pops up. I immediately tag it with hashtag Terrible Joke Corner and tweet it back out. And at the exact same time that I tweeted it back out, Blockfolio followed me. So makes me wonder: Is it possible Blockfolio did this just for me? I don't know. Time will tell. Maybe I'll ask him one of these days. But uh, before we do that, let's check in with Dad says jokes. Uh, He says, "Run out of toilet paper and having to use lettuce leaves." Today, it was just the tip of the iceberg. Yes. Cringe. Cringe, bitches. If you're not cringing because of that, you, then you are deaf or something like that. That's totally cringe worthy. So, that's going to do it for uh, the Terrible Joke Corner. We're going to go ahead and get out. Uh, brief chicken report. All six chicks are doing well They are, uh, I think I've probably told y'all this, they've doubled in size since we got them the Friday before last. They're even bigger, slightly bigger. Now they are going through feed like nobody's business. In fact, I'm going to have to run down to tractor supply and get them another bag of feed. Hopefully they will have feed and I won't have to, I don't know, feed them cat turds or whatever it is, because even, even around here, people are kind of losing their minds. The local Walmart, now remember, I live in a rural town, sub 20,000, you know, population. Although, even without population, we do have a Walmart. Cleaned out of canned goods. Cleaned out of, obviously, toilet paper. Cleaned out of bottled water. Uh, Cleaned out of eggs. The meat supplies are running low. I mean, and this is, you know, this is a Walmart. And I got a buddy. Good friend of mine uh, lives in a, I won't say the city because I don't want to dox them or anything like that, but where he lives, they have multiple Walmarts and they are super center Walmarts. Mine is just your regular one of the run in the mill box store Walmart. Uh, He's got several, several, several uh, super centers, which are like very, very, like really, really big. All of them wiped out. All of them are wiped out. But Him and him and his wife still know better than many other people. Go to your ethnic grocery store because those are the usually the last ones hit. But at this point, they may all be hit. I went to mine, which is a very large. It's probably the largest Asian mart I've ever seen. Seriously, this thing is the size of an Albertsons. Right? It's up in like North Amarillo or something like that. This thing is freaking huge. And they have an entire corner of their store that's dedicated to pallets of 50 pound bags of rice, almost all gone, almost all gone. So even the ethnic stores are starting to have some problems. So be aware. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what to tell you about this one. We went and we went to Costco, like, I don't know, I think it was like March the 3rd or something like that. So the, it was like the first Saturday in March and we drove down to Lubbock because they have a Costco and it, and this is just our normal trip. We weren't freaking out, promise. We were not freaking out. We just went for our normal grocery buy. Everything seemed to be like pretty much in order. There was some low stuff, but we got like, you know, basically a month's worth of uh, meat and, uh... Uh, you know, like regular, uh, regular grocery stuff, not, not vegetables. Because if you could, if you can keep a head of lettuce around for a month, let me know how the hell you do it because dude, I can't. So, but we got almost everything we need. I've got a long time ago. I bought one of those 50 pound bags of rice. I'm not even halfway through it. Right. I mean, and that was like, God, that was like when we like, that was over a, I think a year ago. And yes, it's still good, okay? It's not it's not ridden with weevils. It doesn't taste like crap, like everybody will tell you. But again, I live in a really dry environment. If you live in a humid environment, your mileage will probably vary to the detriment of the rice. But in a really dry environment, dude, rice just keeps. It just does. So I'm, honestly, I'm not all that worried. But I know that that's not all of you. So if you guys, if any of my listeners are out there and you are in a major city and you're having major issues, you know, my heart goes out to you, but I've said it before, I'll say it again, get in the car, drive, you know, like get a map, drive to another town, preferably one that's smaller. You know, you may have to drive two hours, you know, it, it, it can be done. You don't have to look at the, at the city limits like great big walls, or at least not right now right? So gas is going to be cheap for a while. So get in the car, get your family and, and I don't know, make, make a picnic out of it or something like that, but you don't have to rely on your geographical location. Go to somewhere else. Right? So just, just saying, uh, are there, is there, do I have anything else? I don't think so. I, I screw it. I guess I'll see you on the other side.